come with me. We're going on a fantastic cruise. Pick your destination with news tips and reviews. But here is an item you might not have thought of. All of the things under the water. Nature surrounds us with elegant features. You can't go on a cruise and not see the creatures. So let's make some magic. Let's get ecstatic. Instantly classic. Maybe romantic. The wildlife around you. Cinematic on your fantastic cruise. Bon Beanie, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fantastic Cruising. I am Matt. And I'm Kimbra. And uh, hey, it's coming out. This is Father's Day, right? When this comes out, it is Father's Day. If you're if you're listening on the day it comes out, how many people do you think listen to this on the day it comes out? We know some people do because we see the download numbers. Although that doesn't mean they're listening. They're just they could just be downloading it. That's true. I think I think a decent amount of people, but I think Monday morning when they're driving to work is the real listening day. It could be. That could be. Now. Uh, Look, we were supposed to go to the Keys last weekend, and that didn't happen. We we had to postpone that. We're gonna we're gonna still go to the Keys. It's just gonna it's gonna, it's gonna be down the road a little bit because um, because we we had sort of some family stuff we had to take care of. Sadly, your grandfather Paps passed away. We had to go up to Indiana and uh, say our farewells and see the family and stuff. We did. It was it was sad, but it was good. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was a fun trip. Well, no. But it was but it was nice. It was good. It was reassuring. You know, it's good to get together with family and everything and get that support system. You got to really meet some of my family, I too. I did. I did. And I, and I liked almost all of them, except for that one. Which one? <laughs> I, I'm going to tell my mom that you said that about her. I'm just teasing. I, or I, were actually, you talking about my aunt? Uh, no, I wasn't talking about any of them. I was, <laughs> I was speaking fictitiously. No, there's a better word for that. I was, uh, I was not telling the truth i i got along with all of your family well that's good yeah. i think they liked you all right i hope so probably not after they heard me say that but <laughs> <laughs> not all of them listen you're lucky that's good that's good because i i noticed that several of your family are very very protective of you just a little bit you yeah. think yeah i mean the normal like little teasy jab and they were like the the like swords came out so uh, i had to watch my step a little bit yeah they're they're protective bunch they're sweet as can be until you turn on one of their own. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess that's not a bad trait to have in a family. Yeah. Though. Yeah. So with it being Father's Day, let's just give a nice shout out to all the dads out there, all the granddads out there, all the great granddads out there. And how about the dog dads out there? Sure. The why snake not? Dogs? Snake, snake dog, dogs. Snake dogs. Snake dogs. Snake dogs. What is a snake dog? <laughs> I've heard of Snoop Dogg, but not snake dog. <laughs> snake. I'd like you to draw that, please. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, happy Father's Day to everybody out there. Uh, I wish that you could be going on a cruise to celebrate, but uh, you can't do that right now because nobody can. There's really no cruising going on. If you're listening in the future and going, what? Then it's got to be way in the future, and I don't know how you found this podcast because I don't think anybody's going to forget 2020, uh, the year of the pandemic. Hopefully just... And everything yeah, else. Yeah, hopefully just the year of the pandemic, yes, and all, all kinds of other things that are happening. Um, yeah, but one of the one of the downsides of this year is that uh, cruising has pretty much been shut down. Boom, done. And uh, we think it's coming back at some point. But we, we hope it's coming back. We don't know when. Now, we have purposefully stayed off of the whole pandemic topic, the whole let's talk about when we think cruising is going to come back and i'm kind of glad now because it's changed a lot like every time they say something even the cruise lines have made announcements and then they've had to come back and be like you know how we said we were going to start sailing again in august we shouldn't have said that so uh we're not gonna we're not gonna speculate here there are plenty of people out there speculating um you can speculate yourself all you want but uh but we're going to come out. Here's what's going to happen. When this is all said and done, nobody's going to be able to say, yeah, those, those podcasters over at Fantastic Cruising, they got it wrong because we didn't even put our chips in the All I have to fight. say. Chips in the fight? <laughs> chips in the dip? That all, should be it. No, all I have to say is I hope we go out in October. Yeah, me too. I'm starting to get a little worried about that one, but... Um, Cross your fingers and put on your horseshoes over your head and... Horseshoes over your head. Yeah, I mean, don't drop it because that would be 
that would be not what you it want. Land on your toe. It would. It could. It could. But if it landed on your head, that'd be worse. It depends. Okay. I mean, it's it's falling further to your toe. Okay. Would you rather have something heavy and hard hit you on the head or the toe? Depends on how far it's falling. It okay. Let's say that it's falling from three feet above your head. So it's a three foot drop to your head, or uh, maybe a what would that be like? Maybe an eight or nine foot. That's right, right? Eight, six, five, six. Seven. Yeah, like an eight foot, eight and a half foot drop to your toe. If it's dropping to my toe, I'd have more time to move because it takes longer to drop eight feet than three. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Let's hope that uh, that all goes well and we can cruise in October. I hope so. I hope so, too. I really hope so, but uh, who knows. Anyway, uh, let's get on to today's topic. Which is the future of cruising. No, that's no, because I'm not Nostradamus and uh, I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen in the future. So instead, I'm looking at cruising in the past. Whoa, what happened? We just got transported back to the 19th century, the beginning of cruising. Wow, everything looks the exact same in this room. I know, you'd think it'd be black and white or sepia or something. And, like, the computers would be all staticky and non-existent. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we were trying to figure out what should we talk about, and I came across the idea in my brain, because I have a Google in my brain. Did you know that? You have a Google in your brain. Yeah, a lot what of times. What does a Google look like in your brain? A lot of times it looks like a like an error, but uh, but sometimes <laughs> sometimes something pops up in there and it works out pretty well. And this time, I was like, I wonder when the first cruise ship ever was. So, I entered it into the Google on the computer, and uh, we found out that the answer was not very simple. No, because there's like. When people started sailing on ships and when people started sailing on ships for Rizzle and... For Rizzle? For for real. Faux Rizzle. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's like when ships became cruise ships and then there's like what it is today. Yeah. So basically, um, in a nutshell, this this is sort of how cruising began. So think... Picture yourself back in the, like, maybe mid-1800s, and people are, are sailing. I mean, people have been sailing for a lot longer than the 1800s, but but people are starting to sail, and steam engines are, are sort of starting to come along, and there's a lot of long voyages, especially, like, transatlantic stuff going from Europe over to America. But when that first started, it was more about the cargo than it was about the humans. And they threw some humans on. Right. It was like, well, we're we're going over here to drop off the mail. You guys want to come along? It's, All right. It's funny because that's, just think about um, the hurricane that hit the Bahamas. It was like they were going on a cruise, but then they took some cargo to help out. It's kind of like the complete opposite. Oh, right. I, I, was, I wasn't I was with you there. For, yes, when, yes that, that is true. That is interesting. Yeah. Interesting juxtaposition. That's what we like. That's the word there. Juxtaposition. I think that makes sense. I don't know. Anyway, what a wallop of a word. It's a wallop. <laughs> Isn't it funny that word has come up now and like other people have said it that have no connection to me I mean, or anything. So it's you, really a thing. You didn't make up that word. I didn't. No, I did not make so, up that word. <laughs> it's not your word. No, I'm not. I know. But at the time it was like, I'm like, that's Australian, right? And Australians are like, no, mate, that's not all. Anyway, uh, yes. So... So that's what's going on. So you've got people going from like one continent to another, that kind of thing. I'm sure there was like European travel and Asian travel and, you know, going to all those different places. But it was more about getting the cargo there. And uh, and humans were just sort of a secondary thought. Uh, in fact, you, you found some interesting things out. Like what were the conditions like if you were traveling transatlantic if you were say an immigrant in the 1800s yeah so in the 1800s if you were an immigrant you immigrant i can speak um you had to stay in the the area of the ship that they called the steerage class which was basically like a big open space where you kind of had to fend for yourself 
It was like, find your own food, figure it out, and just sleep wherever there's a spot. I looked at some pictures, and it was like, it was was not not a pleasant way to sail. You didn't get to steer the ship. That's what I I would think. Like, oh, I'm in steerage. I get to steer the ship. No, no, that's not. That's interesting. Steerage. You think that was the area where the ship steers? I was thinking steer like how, but it's not spelled. Well, I don't know how that's spelled. No, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We didn't look up the origin of steerage. No, didn't. I just looked up steerage and saw some drawn pictures that were not a place <laughs> where I'd want to be. But yeah, it was not. It was not a great way. And imagine that. Like, so I mean, these were not a seven-day cruise. These were like probably weeks or months, and you had to bring your own food on board. There was no. I'm sure no refrigeration or anything like that. So how do you even do that? Like, how do you how do you sail across the Atlantic in 1850 and bring enough food for you and your family that's going to not spoil and, you know, like, bread. I don't know, lots of bread. It would but it would get stale. I, I don't I don't know what they did. I don't know what they did. I, I don't guess. know. I mean, if. If you're used to being in that kind of condition, maybe stale bread is better than no bread. Dip it in the the soup that you brought along. I don't know. Interesting. Peanut butter? Peanut butter? I don't think they had peanut I butter. Don't think I'm pretty they... sure peanut butter was invented after that. I don't know, but that would have been a really good thing to take with you. Yeah, yeah. That would have lasted I like peanut a long butter. Time. Yeah, I do too. I'm a fan. So anyway, this is kind of how it progressed. So people were sailing, but it wasn't about the people. And then um, I guess it was it was around that time, like the 181850, was it? That P&O or was it Cunard? No, P&O was sometimes considered the oldest cruise line, but they started off as just transport. Um, And then you said Cunard kind of came along with a ship that was... It wasn't a cruise ship per se, but they kind of changed the focus, right? Yeah. So, well, yeah. So in 1840, the a ship called Britannia, it was a Cunard ship, and it was the first ship that they brought a cow on board to supply fresh milk for the passengers. <laughs> so, so you know they're going all out. Basically, after that, um, mid-1840s is when basically cruising was like, a thing. Can we go back to the cow? Because okay, I I mean, moo. I'm a fan of milk. I like milk. Moo, moo. Yeah, I. But moo. They brought a cow on the voyage so people could have fresh milk. Like imagine at the time, that was like probably super luxurious. And if you sail with us, you can have fresh milk for your full three month voyage across the Atlantic. Across it was across a fourteen day. 14 days. Okay, whatever. So <laughs> you had a cow. I wonder how many, don't have a cow, man. I wonder how many people were getting fresh milk. Like this poor cow. Like they had one cow? Well, yeah, but I'm sure that, I mean, how big was that ship to, like, how many people? I don't know. Because it couldn't, it couldn't be that many, right? I don't know how many people fit on ships. I mean, I, I think back then the bigger ships were probably a couple like hundred. Half, yeah, probably three, four hundred would be a huge ship or something. Still, I mean, come on. You're one cow. You're like, you want me to make milk for how many people? Four hundred people? Let's just exaggerate. Four, four hundred people? No, let's under-exaggerate. You want me to make milk for 150 people? How much milk can one cow make? That's my question. If there are any cows listening out there, fantasticcruising at gmail.com. Let, let us know. Is that a lot? <laughs> Was that like cow abuse? I mean, are you so desperate that you're asking the cows for, I am. for emails? I am. If there are like, any cows out there listening? <laughs> Moo. Send us an email. See, the issue is you didn't I ask can't type. it. That's the issue. Well, can't. that you didn't you ask Siri. it in uh, cow language. Oh, I didn't. I didn't speak cow. Yeah. That was terrible. That was really creepy. <laughs> I don't want you to do that again. So, all right. So let's continue with our journey through time here. Okay. Because you got Cunard coming along now, and they're like, okay, we're we're going to kind of up the game a little bit. We, we're going to start bringing a little bit of entertainment on board. Um, we're we're going to start focusing a little more on the people and a little bit less on, like, 
the mail and the stuff that were taken back and forth. So that was a pretty big shift, a pretty big change in how things were handled. But it still wasn't cruising for the sake of cruising. Like it was still, there was still a goal of you get on the ship at port A and you end up at port B. Like that was the, that was the point of it. I guess maybe there was somebody out there that was just like, I'm going to ride back and forth, but probably not. I would. I mean, yeah, but I mean, they they didn't stop off. I don't think they stopped off at like different islands and stuff like that. No, it was just to get from one place to another. Now, in... 1886, there was this guy named Albert Balin, Balin, he was German, however you say that, and, uh, and, and he sort of, he was part of something called the H-A-P-A-G, HAPAG, I don't know, it stands, stands for something that's very German, and I'm not going to try and pronounce it, because I just wouldn't, it wouldn't sound right, I don't know. Oh, I was going to try it, and then I actually looked at it. Yeah, it's, it starts off easy, like Hamburg, but then it's like... Hamburg, Americanish. Americanish yeah, 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 just let's just not do that. fart. What? <laughs> exactly. This is why we wanted to avoid Actien this. Actien Gesellschaft. Before we insult everyone in Germany... Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, there was a flag... Their largest flagship vessel was the Augusta Victoria... And uh, and this Balin, Balin, it sounds like a one of the dwarfs from the Hobbit, like Balin. Balin, yeah. Anyway, he was uh, he was noticing that during the winter season, the Augusta Victoria wasn't really getting a lot of use. So he came up with this what he thought was a brilliant idea, but was highly criticized by everybody else in the Hapag, the whatever it is. Anyway, uh, his idea was to refit the ship to make it an actual cruise where the whole idea was that this ship would go over I think it was mostly the the Mediterranean and some ports in Asia and it was actually the whole thing was called an excursion at the time early cruises were actually called excursions interesting so so it's like not yeah they're not I mean they were I don't know if they were excursions on an excursion but the whole thing was an excursion so they they planned out this like 58-day pleasure voyage um, that went from Germany to the Mediterranean and then over to the Orient. So um, this, the whole design of this was, hey, we're going to take people there for fun. They're going to enjoy the whole experience, you know. So uh, most of his colleagues were like, you're crazy. Don't do that. What's wrong with you? But it was a huge success, so much of a success that they actually expanded the ship and tried to make it bigger and that still wasn't enough so what did they do they built a new ship they had a new ship built and that ship is most historians consider it the first true cruise ship that was built as a cruise ship for luxury cruising and this one was called the Princessin Victoria Louise named after Kaiser Wilhelm II's daughter Princess uh, Victoria Louise, I'm, I'm assuming that was her name. Otherwise, it'd be really silly, right? Maybe it was like Louise Victoria. It could have been. It could have been. I mean, sometimes they do things. You know, I was, that, I was actually dates gonna, are backwards in Europe to what we do. I was right? going to say, I was actually going to try and say it backwards. It's not the June 12th. It's the 12th of June. Yeah, or, that or really throws like that. me off. Or do they do the year. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, they it's do. Different. Day, month, year. Yeah. So yeah. Any, anywho, that actually makes more sense. Because days are shorter than months, which are shorter than years. Yeah, that's true. But when you talk, like, when's your birthday, Matt? June 16th. 16th of June. Well, if you say it that way. <laughs> also, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so, you know, as usual, the metric system makes more sense, too, but we don't use that either. Anyhow, uh, this ship was pretty cool. It was about 52 feet wide about 407 feet long. One of the problems with the Augusta Victoria is that it had tiny little staterooms because it was still not really made for passengers originally. So this new ship had luxurious staterooms, 120 cabins, all first class, all filled out to the rim with just luxury. Even the emperor came on board and uh, and was like jealous of it because it was nicer than his own ship, and made some suggestions apparently about the interior mod- you know mo- modifications that could be made and stuff like that. So pretty crazy. But check this out. This was a state of the art vessel. Okay, we're talking. This ship was built. Uh, let's see. It was commissioned 
1900. Okay, so the ship launched on the 29th of June, 1900. This is what kind of technology this was sporting. You, you think about cruise ships today, and they have like roller coasters and and uh, and things like that, and we think, wow, that's crazy, man, that's crazy. But this ship, this ship had a gymnasium, it had a library. Now I know you're thinking library. That was probably a pretty standard thing. But come on, a gymnasium. I don't know what kind of equipment they had. But here's the thing I thought was really cool. It had a dark room for photographers. That's really cool. Right? 1900, there probably weren't a ton of photographers, but if you were on the ship, then you were a photographer, you had access to your own dark room. So it makes sense, right? Because back then, I'm sure that if you were a photographer in 1900, you couldn't go to the Kodak stand and get your pictures developed. Uh, so, so, you can, so you can go to the library, read about photography, go take pictures at the gymnasium, and then go develop your pictures. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? Didn't have to wait till you got back and, and get them developed, you know. You, but yeah, I imagine any photographer back then had to develop their own pictures. It was like part of the thing. Like if you were into photography, you got to know how to develop pictures. I mean, it was like that for for most artistic photographers up until digital cameras. And now, I don't know if anybody even knows how to develop pictures anymore. I'm sure some fancy person that does <laughs> fancy photo things does. It was interesting. I worked at a science center in the um, through the like 2000s, and it it was we had a dark room, and we did in the summertime we did photography classes, and the students would take pictures with film cameras, and they would develop their their film. But it was right at that point where kind of traditional photography was being pushed out, and digital photography was becoming the only game in town. So. It was an interesting transition, but still one of those things like, you know, just because you have computers and calculators doesn't mean that we shouldn't teach people how to do math and obviously figure out how to find facts because nobody seems to be able to do that these days. But anyway, pretty cool, right? This was a steamship with a dark room and a gymnasium and a library. That's cool. Pretty cool stuff. Now, last episode, we talked about how unlikely it is to sink if you're on a cruise ship. You remember that? I do remember that. We pulled up the statistics. Keep in mind that, that was, that's in like the last 50 years or so. It wasn't as good of odds back then because a lot of cruise ships and a lot of ships ended their careers by sinking. And the uh, Princess and Victoria Louise was kind of one of those ships. I don't know if it technically sank, but what happened was... The captain was running a little too fast and uh, kind of mistook where things were in Jamaica because this so the ship ended up cruising into the Caribbean. That was one of its ports or one of its places was the Caribbean. And they ran aground on some rocks. So kind of tragic. Apparently within a couple of hours, the captain like was so humiliated, he went to his cabin and shot himself. So that's. That's a little harsh, harsh right? Yeah. I know, right? Not in the dark room, but it was a dark room. Anyway, um, the crew actually didn't tell the passengers this happened. They were just like, everything's good. It's okay. We're going to try in the morning. We're going to get the ship off the rocks. We'll be good. So what they did is in the morning, they actually lowered the lifeboats in, and they made a bridge of lifeboats over to land. And all of these very wealthy passengers were able to safely transport themselves and all of their expensive luggage safely to land. So they tried then to get the ship back off the rocks. There was even another ship in the area that tried to pull it off of the off the rocks, but uh, but it was unsuccessful and there was some inclement weather that came in so they had to stop and uh, the next day or when the weather finally broke, it had actually pushed that ship, it pushed the Vic, the prison Princess and Victoria Louise back up even more onto the rocks and it damaged uh, the hull irreparably. It damaged the engine. There was like 16 feet of water in it. It was it was unsalvageable. So uh, they ended up scrapping the ship. But I don't I don't actually know what the final outcome of the ship was. I didn't see what the final outcome of the ship was. But anyway, it didn't end well. Well, at least it was at land and not in the middle of the sea. Right. That's and true. And it was caused by being 
at land. And it was the Caribbean, not the North Atlantic where the Titanic right. was. Yeah. So that so that was good, I guess. That was that was probably a, a positive thing. Now you can see some pictures of this if you search for it online. Not a lot, but you can see some pictures of some of the various rooms inside and what the outside looked at looked looked at looked like. Uh, and keep in mind, we, when we were talking about how big the ship was, 407 feet long, if you're familiar with like one of Carnival's fantasy class ships, this is about half the size of one of those. So we're not talking about a huge vessel by today's standards, but back then, that was pretty big. It's a pretty nice looking ship. Yeah. Now, the reason that this is confusing, the history of cruising is confusing, the history of confusing, is because there were a lot of things that were going on in this span of say 50 years or so from like the mid 1800s into the early 1900s that were sort of cruise related or cruising like um, the reason that the princess and victoria louise gets the honor of being the first cruise ship is just because it was actually built as that it was built for the caribbean it was built which is built that way right so uh, but there were a lot of ships that were starting to focus more on passengers and over here in the United States, there was a ship that actually was recommissioned after being used in uh, the Civil War. And a famous person sailed on that. Well, I think several did. But, but one in particular, who is Samuel Clemens. Mark Twain. That's right. And he wrote a book about his adventures. His six-month trip. He wrote yeah. a book. Yes. Yeah, S- I think that's, a, that's a long time on a ship, but... I'd take it. And what was the book called? The book was called Innocence Abroad. I guess the book is called Innocence Abroad because it's still a book. <laughs> it is still a book. And uh, I think that I think that actually went over to like um, the Middle East, like Israel and stuff. It was like a Holy Land tour or something. Well, that's like cool. That. Yeah. So that, you know, that's often reported as, as the or one of the first cruising experiences from the United States and that's before the other ship but it's you know so so if you can if you could go back in time again and just kind of look at it you could sort of see how this whole cruise concept sort of evolved from ships that were just transporting goods with a few people on it to ships that were focusing on people and then they were like hey people actually like this maybe we should just do it for the sake of it, and then going to you know these different destinations on these cruise excursions until we eventually get to the modern cruise that we have today. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I know we talked um, to Professor Travel, Scott, about you know the evolution of cruising from like when he first started cruising, but looking at it from like when cruising started, it's just it just keeps changing, and that's really cool. Yeah. It's changing, but then there are certain probably basic elements and aspects that haven't changed, which is pretty exciting. Like I, I like to think about somebody in 1900 sailing in the Caribbean on a cruise ship and just like sitting there with, with their elbows, leaning on the railing, looking at the ocean, smelling it. And, you know, you and I can do that in 2020, hopefully, and uh, and have a very similar experience as somebody did back then. I mean, we did do that in 2020. We, we did. We went on a we cruise. We did. That's, that's true. That's yeah. true. Couldn't really I, breathe because my nose was stuffed up. But but yeah, I, we did do that. I thought you were going to say sitting on a ship with their iPad. No, no, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that because I don't think they had iPads back then. You don't think or you don't you uh, know that? I mean, I don't I don't know that for sure, but I do know that. Yeah. They didn't have iPads Anyways, that's then. what I thought you were going to say, and then you didn't say that. And I was like, well, I'm glad he didn't say that because that's wrong. <laughs> so here's my question for you, Kimbra, and, and anybody else out there, cows, sheep, goats, humans, whoever's listening. Uh, my question is, if you could go back in time and sail on one of these ships circa early, let's say early 1900s when it was a a true cruise, would you want to do that? Yes. Knowing that there is a greater risk, probably still small, but greater risk of sinking and that sort of thing. Yes. No, you know, big, well, there probably was musical shows of some sort. Yes. You're you're just, yes. Yes. Okay. Would you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it would be exciting. I think it would be really cool to do that. And I would love to see 
how much more casual things were because, of course, we didn't have the same, we weren't at least aware of the same security risks and threats and, you know, all the different guidelines. So I feel like it would have been a much more free place to just sail. Like, I don't know. Do you think people could have just walked into the bridge? Like 1905, you think people are sailing on a cruise ship and they're just like, let's go up and say hi to the captain. I, I feel like that I would... don't know. Maybe, I think that's still a little extreme. You think my, so? My big thing is, like, I, I've seen some of this stuff where, like, some of these, like, the first time that dressing up for dinner was, like, a thing. Like, I still, I still think about, you know, fancy night and wanting to dress up in my big fancy dress, which I don't ever get to do because... It's just not a thing that, like, people do anymore. Well, and here's here's the other side of that, though. How much of that do you want? Because I don't think there were swimming pools on these ships at this point. And so were people staying dressed to the nines all the time? I mean, people used to dress to the nines to go to, like, a baseball game. They'd wear full suit and tie. Like, uh, can you imagine that in the summertime? No. Yeah, no, I don't, don't... want to do all that. I just want to dress... Nice you have to wear big, a like, fancy ladies' dress, all poofy. Like, I mean, I I would love to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Carry a little umbrella. I'm a lady. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be fun. Like, I so badly want to like get a big old ball gown. But do you want to wear it on a ship in the Caribbean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For dinner, not like all the time. Okay, but these people dress like this. I think all the time. Well, we're not talking about all the time. I'm talking about I want to do that for dinner. Okay. All right. How are you going to sit? That's what I want to know. In a chair. With a ball gown? Can they sit? Don't ladies have to stand all the time in those? No. And they have like wires in there? Like It moves. Does it? All right. I, I mean, mean, I don't have to wear it. It swooshes, so that means it's got to, it might not be comfortable, <laughs> but it moves. You just have to sit on top of the chair. Like the whole back gets swallowed up by the dress. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you could sit on a stool maybe. A stool. <laughs> Thanks. Anyway, let us know. Would you like to sail on Back in Time? Fantastic Cruising at gmail.com. We're talking to you, cows. Ooh. I'm not I'm not calling our listeners cows. Don't take offense, please. <laughs> we don't want to steer you in that direction. <laughs> I think I've milked this joke for all it's worth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so we thought for the cruise creature this week, we'd go with something that's old, been around a while, and something that uh, maybe was sort of experiencing cruising back in the day. Wait a minute. There's an animal that's experienced cruising? I mean, I don't know that they enjoyed it that much. I don't know. Maybe, though, when we get to know these animals a little bit, maybe they are the ultimate cruisers, actually, because we're talking tortoises here. Now, I know... Not everybody gets to go on a cruise to the Galapagos Islands, but if you do, then you could see the Galapagos tortoise. And that's what we're talking about today, Galapagos tortoise. I would love to see a Galapagos tortoise in the Galapagos. I, too, would love that. I've seen them, and you have, too, like at zoos and stuff. Yeah, but it's not the same. And there's also, so first of all, let's start with this. So there's two species of giant, well, actually, there's more. There's two main sort of species of giant tortoise that are alive today. There's some in the Aldabra Islands, which is over near Madagascar in Africa or off the coast of Africa. And then and there's just one of those. There's just one type of Aldabra tortoise. And it's called the Aldabra tortoise. It is, appropriately enough. And then you have the Galapagos Islands, which, which has the Galapagos tortoise? Tortoises. Oh, multiple. Yes. Because when, uh, when Charlie Darwin sailed over there in the Beagle in 1835, there were probably about 15 different species of Galapagos tortoise spread out throughout the islands. Hmm. And then, you know, humans got there and uh, killed them. <laughs> so, oh. So now, so now up until 2012, we think that there were 11 species of Galapagos tortoise. But there were only 10 living in the islands. There was one lone individual who belonged to a species all by himself named Lonesome George. And he died in 2012. Well, that's sad. I know, right? 
They tried to they tried to get hook him up with some females, but obviously they weren't the same species. But still, you never know. I mean, tortoises are, you know, they're into that. So it didn't work with Lonesome George, though. Poor George. I know, I know, pretty sad. So let's let's talk about these Galapagos tortoises because they're pretty spectacular animals. First of all, they are big, and and I mean they are really big. Like, for example. On average, Galapagos tortoises get around almost five feet long shells. So that's that's big. That's almost as tall as me. Yeah, that's or as long the, as the, I am tall. The average is right at about just under five feet, and the and the record's a you know a little bit bigger than that. But yeah, and and when you're talking about a tortoise, you're not just talking about length. You're also talking about how much they weigh. These are heavy tortoises. The the average probably around four or 500 pounds. But there have been Galapagos tortoises that have weighed well over 800 pounds. So that's heavy. That's a heavy tortoise. You're not going to lift one of those without at least straining your back. So you said like 500 pounds. 500 pounds is probably about the average of an adult Galapagos tortoise. So I I did some math. Five, for yeah, for five hundred and fifty pounds is what I I did some math. Okay, that's about seventy gallons of milk. That you mean they they drank seventy gallons of milk? Yes, and that's why they weigh five hundred fifty <laughs> pounds. So what's what's one gallon of, of milk weigh then? Eight point six pounds. Okay, so about how many gallons of milk? Seventy. I mean, look, when we go to the grocery store, sometimes we get a gallon of. Regular milk and a gallon of chocolate milk, Ooh. and I have to carry chocolate both. Chocolate milk sounds really good right now. And I have to carry both. Stay focused. I'm I have sorry. to carry both of those, so I'm carrying about over 16 pounds, but I can't even imagine carrying how many? 70. 70 of those. No, I, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to be able to do that. Well, not in one trip. No, and I, I mean, I can't split a tortoise into pe. Well, I guess I... Anyway... Let's not talk about that. <laughs> So here's here's why we picked the Galapagos tortoise. They they are they get old. They get real old. Like on average, these guys live a hundred years plus. We actually don't even really know what the average is, but we think it's over a hundred years. And there's there's an Aldabra tortoise that it's speculated lived over two hundred and fifty years, but we don't we don't really know for sure. We do know that there is a Galapagos tortoise that was brought over to, I believe, England around the time Darwin sailed. It wasn't, for a while, people thought it was one of the, Darwin brought three Galapagos tortoises back with him on the Beagle. They thought it was one of those, but genetics have proved that it wasn't. But this tortoise was brought over around that time, and uh, she ended up in the Australia Zoo, which is Steve Irwin's zoo. And she lived there until 2006, when sadly she died, and it's estimated that she was probably, probably around a hundred, well, let's just say a little over 170 years old. There's some, I mean, there's a little bit of unknown there, but she was at least 170 years old. Isn't that crazy to think that a creature is alive for that long? It is, it is crazy. Like, yeah. like, what is that tortoise seen in its life? Right? It's probably seen a lot. And part of what it has seen is sailing on a ship. Now, one of the advantages of being a tortoise is that you can go for months without drinking any water or anything else, which is pretty nice. In fact, these tortoises rest about 16 hours a day and they spend most of the rest of their time eating. That's probably why they weigh 550 pounds. It's also why they make really good cruisers. The other thing they like to do is is water activities. They like to wade in the water. They like to swim. They're not swimming, really, but they're more just like, you know, stepping in, cooling off. I mean, these, these creatures were built for cruising. They are the ultimate cruise animal. And they can live over 100 and something years. Crazy. It's crazy. Now, the Galapagos tortoise is listed as an endangered species. You know what that means, right? It means they're in danger. It means they're in danger of what? <laughs> of being gone forever. Of being, yes, which is extinct. I, sometimes I ask kids that, what does endangered mean? And they say, that means they're dangerous. No, that doesn't mean they're dangerous, but it, they are in danger of of being gone. Now, the problem with the Galapagos tortoises is that they're, they're really good at 
defending themselves from natural predators, but they're really bad at defending themselves from humans. And for a long time, humans would just get these tortoises. You could put them on a ship and you had basically a sustainable food source until you got where you were going because they could live without water. So they were like the backup food. Oh, that's sad. I know, right? Now, uh, they were also hunted for other things. Fortunately, and, and also when humans brought things like dogs to islands and stuff like that, that that kind of wreaked havoc on these tortoises. But the good news is for the 10 remaining species, there are a lot of these tortoises that are being bred in places like zoos and other conservation parks. And so a lot of these animals that are bred are actually reintroduced into the Galapagos Islands. And so now it's estimated that there are around 20,000 animals or so out in the wild. So uh, there, there is some good news here, but we need to make sure that we preserve the Galapagos Islands. And, and if you do cruise there, they are very, very particular about what goes on the island, what comes off the island, how many people, what the reasoning is. And that's a good thing because the Galapagos, being a small group of islands, a lot of the things that live there have adapted to those islands and it doesn't take much to shake up their lives and cause mass extinction. So uh, we got to be careful with these precious gems that we have left, like the Galapagos Islands. I'd like to cruise there. Would you like to cruise there? Yeah. It's on my bucket list for sure. Like Australia is on the top. Uh, Obviously I want to go to Europe. Like I want to see London, Ireland, Wales, I said, as if London's the, the country, England, mm-hmm. Ireland, Wales. But I also, the Galapagos Islands is is really high on that list because I want to see the Galapagos tortoises, but I also really want to see the marine iguanas because yeah. they're really, really cool. My mom was supposed to go actually next week. I know. She was supposed to be at the Galapagos Islands. But instead, she's coming to see us. She is. How about that? We tried to convince her to take us to the Galapagos. That would have been a really, really sad trip to get canceled. I I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure your mom was disappointed, but I don't think she sees the Galapagos in the same way that we do. No. So for for us, it's probably good that we didn't go on that trip because, yeah, you're right. If that would have gotten canceled, (laughs) that would have been like heartbreaking. That would have been like. You're going to Australia. Nope, just kidding. That would have been terrifying. Terrible. Yeah. Not terrifying. It would have been ter- it's, it's terrifying me right but now. But yeah, instead she's coming to see us. That's right. And we're and just just an island down the road. And a road down the island. Anyway, just a little bit away from us. And and we were looking at the place where um, she's staying, which we're gonna spend a the night there or so, and uh, and we found out there's a scuba diving spot, which is a little iffy as far as like if it's if it's decent or not but we're gonna go check it out because it's like literally right there like a five minute walk yeah yeah and uh we're gonna we're gonna go snorkel it i think and scope it out we just bought a dive flag so we don't get run over by a boat and um and then if it looks good if then we're gonna go to one of the local dive shops rent a couple of scuba tanks and we're going to do a little scuba diving. Yeah. Yeah, it looks pretty exciting. All right, well, you know, we were sitting here talking about tortoises and scuba diving. And uh, I started thinking, one of the things that I found that kind of um, sort of, I think, brought cruising to the more, as a more popular thing, because I think cruising really kind of started to hit its heyday, not like, I think the 70s is probably when it really started to, to boom for the first time. And that had to do with, something that we just did something we just did that kind of altered the course and made cruising a bigger thing something like you and i just did yeah yeah um and it wasn't cruising (laughs) obviously we flew to indiana that's right we flew on a plane so in the 60s you started getting these big airplanes and now the whole idea of these passenger ships as just transports was kind of going away because who's going to spend all this time just riding a ship across the Atlantic when you can fly a plane in a fraction of the time and get across the Atlantic? So the ships that were doing it, they needed more of an incentive to get people on board. And that sort of, I think, sparked some of the some of the ideas of, of let's focus more on this cruise thing. Or maybe people started enjoying it and um, these cruise companies started paying attention to that. So 
it sort of shifted over. I think that's what happened with P&O, for example, is they specifically kind of made that decision to go to the P&O cruise lines because their P&O, like, people transports from point A to point B, they need to do they needed to evolve with the with the growing market. That makes sense. Yeah, if you look at it, all of the major cruise lines that we know today, especially I'm speaking, I guess, of the primarily American ones, but also a lot of these have their, you know, fingers in different countries and stuff like that. Uh, most of those were kind of came about in the sixties and seventies. So that's kind of what transpired as planes kind of came around and became a bigger way to get from, especially I think like Europe to the United States or different, you know, big voyages like that. And uh, it just, it really altered the way people viewed travel and that made cruising sort of a more desirable thing as a thing because it was, the purpose was to be on the ship and enjoy the experience rather than just getting to a destination and making that as pleasurable as possible. The cruise became the focus rather than a means to an end. I'd still go on a cruise ship to get from one point to another. Right. I know when you hear about these really long flights to Europe or Australia or Asia, it's like, man, I I know it takes a lot longer, but it's a lot more enjoyable to go on a cruise ship. So yeah, I would much rather do that. Like I've been on plenty of flights, but flying still terrifies me every single time. Yeah, it's a little nerve wracking, I guess. I, I don't know. I guess people get used to it. I mean, statistically, it's safe. But uh, when you, whenever you take off and whenever you whenever those wheels are about to touch the runway and you get that kind of thing and everything jerks and stuff, then it's just like, Gah. I don't know. When do you when do you feel safe when you're on a plane flight? Like when is what is the moment when you're like, OK, I survived this plane ride? Um, once it, so after it hits the ground and does like the really fast slowdown and it's like taxiing into the gate, I'm good. Yeah. Like the taxiing part, the rest of it, I don't like it. None of it. Yeah. I mean, I I think I'm kind of with you on that. Like when it, when it hits the ground, that's the most nervous I get is when it hits the ground. And then after it, I'm okay when it's still going kind of fast because I figure plane's probably pretty safe even if it wrecked at that point but when it's when it's doing that first initial slowdown that's still really fast but once it once it gets to like kind of highway speeds i'm like okay we're good we're good it's fine it's all good so i don't know yeah i don't get too nervous about flying but um it's something i always i never go on a flight and don't think about it oh yeah absolutely i would so much rather like be on a ship for days and days over flying for an hour yeah and i don't feel that way when i get in a car which i should be more worried about that but you know it's just you know you can you can look at the statistics and everything and 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 make make it make logical sense but something about certain situations uh it's it's hard to convince your your conscious conscience subconscious i don't know conscious subconscious i can't speak it's hard to convince your inner self, let's just say that, that you're safe, even though your brain, your logical part of your brain might be like, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Do you ever feel like that in the water? Do you ever get scared in deep water? Um, that's kind of a, an interesting question. Yes and no. Not, I mean, when I'm, when I'm not thinking about it. Like if I'm just like at the beach and I get to the point where I can't touch the bottom and I'm just kind of like chilling on the beach, I freak out a little bit. But if I'm like snorkeling out there, I'm fine. Like it's or diving like it's fine. It's one of those things where it's like when I'm supposed to touch the bottom, I want to be able to touch the bottom. Yeah, I I mean, if I can see if the visibility is there, then it never even crosses my mind. But there are times when even I will be out by myself really far off the beach, super murky water, and I'm probably in like 15 feet of water just floating there. And, and suddenly that, you know, the thought comes into my mind like, hmm, I wonder what else is swimming down here with me. Now, and that's me who I'm like super comfortable with all that stuff. And then I, now I'm able to rationalize it and it doesn't really affect me that much. But still, I have those thoughts every now and then. But yeah, if the water's clear, it 
It doesn't. No. I'm not my, even a little bit. My fear frightened. isn't what's swimming with me. It's me end up going underwater and oh, drowning. Oh, okay, okay. My, yeah, the fear is the drowning, not the things in the water with me. I'm just worried somebody's going to make a mistake, like a shark's going to be like, hey, that's shiny. Yeah, no, I, I just have, I don't know, like diving. It's kind of the same with diving. Like, I'm not afraid to dive, and I enjoy doing it, but the idea of not being able to breathe or something going wrong and then me drowning is what freaks me out. Okay. That I don't suffer from at all. I feel very comfortable in the water. Never felt. Well, I felt feel that comfortable way. in the water. It's well, the, I, mean, I mean the breathing thing. Like, I, yeah. like I've never, it's never been a concern. I don't know. Mine, but it's interesting. I don't know. Interesting. And I don't think it'll ever go away. I love the water and I love being in it. I just don't want to die in it. I mean, I get that. I don't want to die anywhere, especially not in the water. Or any, well, I don't know, anywhere else. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> anyway, moving on. All right, let's bring this shit back around. Let's uh, let's hit the, sa- the sunny side. I can't talk tonight. It's been like the last four episodes, I think. I can't. Anyway, I'm going to ask you some questions, and you can answer. And if you change your mind an hour after we record, that's okay. But uh, right now, I'm going to ask you some questions, see what you say about that, all right? Okay. Okay, here's my first question. What is your favorite non-alcoholic drink on a cruise so that you've experienced so far? Oh, hot chocolate on Carnival. Ah, okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm going to go with the um, the fruit-enhanced water on the Royal Caribbean. Okay. That's my favorite. Um, okay, next question. Your favorite... Your favorite... Cold appetizer on a cruise. My favorite cold appetizer. Favorite cold appetizer on a cruise. I'm trying to trying to hit things that we haven't, you know, talked about yeah. before. Can I say the cheese plate? Yeah, you could yeah, that that's valid. That's the uh, I think that's the first one that popped into my head. Okay, that works. I'm gonna go with the the chilled mango soup that we did not get on the last cruise. Nope. We were on. That is my favorite. I love that. Oh, I love it. All the chilled soups, but man, the mango. Oh, <sighs> it's really good. Good stuff. Okay, let's see. What's the next one going to be? Um, what is your favorite? What is your favorite? Like kind of side item, like finger food on the buffet. Like oh. something you would just pick up, like not like something you would be like, hey, let's just go to the buffet and just grab a couple things and, and then eat it like a little snacky snack or something. Prosciutto. Prosciutto. OK. All right. <laughs> going to ham it up. I'm going to go with cheese. Yes. Yeah, I mean, cheese I guess cubes. cheese goes I mean, with it. Add but some prosciutto. Yeah, I think yeah, prosciutto. I think usually I like to do prosciutto cheese and like if there's bagel crisps or crackers or something like that. Right. Right. OK. Okay, how about this? Have you ever ordered room service on a cruise? Only for breakfast. Only breakfast? Yeah, like if I've got a really early um, port, I'll have like a bagel dropped Mm -hmm. off or something. You've never done like late night? Nope. No? Really? Okay, well, what's your favorite thing you've gotten from the the breakfast menu then on the the room service? A bagel. (laughs) Because that's, I think, the only thing I've done. So it's not a lot. And it's not like a big competition here. Then you're just no, like, like, well, I had this really moldy piece of bread one time, but it's the only thing I've had. So I'm going to say it's my favorite. <laughs> I mean, I've done a bagel a couple times. I think maybe a banana one time. Either some cream cheese or butter for the bagel. You know, I like to get really. I I've gotten apple juice. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about I've, you? I mean, I've done mostly breakfast stuff probably, but I have done. A few late night things. I've gotten, I think, like a Reuben sandwich and maybe pizza and stuff. But but actually, and I was th- kind of thinking that direction. Then you mentioned breakfast. And, um, yeah, I'm going to just go with bacon. Because, I mean, why wouldn't I? Right? Bacon. Well, I like it bacon. It could be my answer for every question so far that's been <laughs> food related. Yeah. Well, not, th- well, not yeah, the cold, cold one. No, it could be cold. It could be cold bacon. I guess. Yeah, you know, cooked. Okay, not not raw bacon, but cooked and then chilled, chilled bacon. No, I still take my mango soup over chilled bacon. With bacon in it. Uh, maybe on the side. Okay. Well, bacon on the side might not be. 
Might not be too bad. Okay. So I have a couple for you. So I think I know the answer to this one, but what is your favorite excursion that you've ever done? Oh, you think you know the answer to it? Yeah. I don't even know the answer to oh, it. How then, can you know the answer then to maybe it? Maybe I don't know the answer. <laughs> it's it's hard to say because they're apples and oranges in a in a sense. Like specifically excursion, not necessarily like just walking around and finding stuff to do. Well, I mean definitely the excursions would be I would they would top my list of just walking around, but Uh, I mean, obviously, the one that just pops into my brain right away is the whale shark. That's the one I thought you'd say. But but honestly, like as amazing of an experience as that was, like the there was such a small window of payoff for it that I don't know that I would say it was my favorite. Like like it's that's like a bucket list. Like, I don't know if I'll ever get to that again. Hopefully I will. But. I, I don't know if you like weigh that against like scuba diving in the Dominican Republic or uh, or Grand Cayman or snorkeling in Roatan. I, I don't know if I can make that really that choice that I like it better. But I don't know. For, for the sake of this, I'll just go with that. I'll just say whale shark because it was it was just um, just it was above my expectations of what I could normally do in a cruise excursion. Okay. So for me, I'd say the, in Cozumel, the twister boat to... Uh, Paradise Island. Passion Island. Oh, Passion Island. Yeah. Uh, you've, yeah, you've mentioned that before. Yeah, it's like the twister boat was, was a lot of fun, but just the all-inclusiveness of the island, and it was just a very chill time. Chill like mango soup? Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then I've got one more that I've thought of. Okay. Okay. Who has been your favorite cruise director? That one's easy. That one's actually easy. The first cruise director I ever had, and I've had him two other times, one on the same ship, one on a different ship, same fleet, and that would be Mark Walker, who is a Brit who lives in Orlando. I think he retired, but then he may have come out of retirement, but I I don't know. But anyway, he is the one that every time he would finish an announcement, he used to say, Bing Bong. And uh, so a lot of people know him as Bing Bong. But uh, yeah, he was outstanding. Like if you are like me and you like that sort of classic British sense of humor, sort of sort of intelligent Monty Python style, he's your guy. He was out, outstanding. Love Mark Walker. Okay. So... I only have, you know, I've only been on five cruises, so I've only had five cruise directors, and there's only two that I actually remember their names. Um, So the first one is Jamie D. Right. And she was great, and actually, while she was our cruise director, um, she had, like, an apprentice who was Nono, who is now a cruise director. Nono. And Nono was a cruise director on one of my other ships. So those are the two. Um, Nono was great, but Jamie D was the first one that stood out to me. Okay. And Jamie D, is she American? Is she... Yeah. Okay. I don't... She... I. She's not currently a cruise director, or she took a break or something to get married or start a life or I don't remember what what <laughs> it was married or start a life or, <laughs> or something like she that. did something I don't remember and I could probably look it up but I'm not going to do that okay fair enough all right Matt that was a fun way to wrap things up but for now it's time to head for the horizon and until next time seize the day have a fantastic week everybody Well, there's another episode down, and uh, I don't know. Anything else you want to tell people in this after the credits? Well, I've moved over to the dark side, Matt. That's what people keep telling me. You're a Sith now? 
sure, that's not really what I mean. You get a red lightsaber? You know, I don't like the color red, so I'd probably choose purple or green. Well, that was purple's Mace Windu, so that ain't going to be Sith, and green is Yoda, I think. I'll be Yoda. (laughs) What are you talking about? You went to the dark side. I now have an iPhone. Ah, yes. Now you have a phone that works all the time. That's, no. My (laughs) phone worked perfectly fine before. Whatever. Now we have phones that communicate better with each other. That's true. Yeah. Which is why I did it. Very cool. All right. And I got a new iPhone as well. Part of the package. Yeah. So, and we got the fancy new iPhone 11 Pros with the fancy new cameras so we can do the fancy pictures and videos and... Maybe we'll actually vlog again. Yeah, we need to do that. <laughs> well, well, I was going to say, now we're we're allowed to go outside again, but... For now. For now. We'll see how long that happens. <laughs> Anything else? I thought there was something else you were etching to tell people. Oh, I see what you did there. I see how I scratched at the surface of that one? Yeah. So, we haven't cricketed in about a week, but that's because we haven't been around-ish. But... Last time we cricketed, we did some glass etching. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We uh, use acid basically on a stencil and it burns an etching into the glass. Worked out pretty well. Yeah. So no spoilers, but there's going to be some gifts coming out pretty soon. There may be some in the mail right now for certain people. And there may be some other ones that are going to get delivered before too long. So... Anyway, uh, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. 